Welcome back to One on One, New York's longest-running sports call-in show. I'm Andrew Galata, alongside Thomas Quigley, and now we are joined by former MLB All-Star and Fordham baseball great Pete Harnish. How you doing, Pete? Good. I'm doing really good. Thanks for that. That's uh, some kind words right there. No, for sure. And I wanted to start off here by rewinding back to your days at Fordham, and now your son Jack plays with them as well. So I wanted to ask. You know, do you see a difference between either the college game or the recruiting process between when you went through it and then, you know, with your son going through it as well? Well, yes. And um, it actually, it helped me and, and probably hurt my son. Hmm. Um, we were both late bloomers, if you will. Like uh, I, I tell people all the time, I played JV baseball in 10th grade and I, would, I didn't pitch. I didn't pitch. I didn't start pitching until halfway through my uh, junior year. Got on the, I, I got on the mound. So I only pitched basically a year and a half of, of high school. Um, and I wasn't heavily, and I wasn't heavily recruited, but the recruiting process is totally different. Like they, they commit kids in eighth, ninth grade for baseball now sometimes, right? It's, it's a race to get around the country and commit kids. Um, when I, when I was going through it, it was clearly just, um, you just signed a letter of intent in, you know, right before, during your senior year. So you know, everybody might be interested, teams might be in, but there was no committing or none, no, nothing like this. The, the process completely changed. So being a late bloomer myself, I, I mean, I wasn't heavily recruited anyway because uh, I didn't have a reputation, you know, going into my senior year or whatever. But um, there was one of the school, uh, what was it? Oh, Eckerd College in St. Petersburg, Florida. It was Division Two, really good Division Two school. I was going to go there. And Fordham came in at the last. I, I think Dan Gallagher, the, the old coach from Fordham, the legendary coach there, I think he called me December of my senior year. So I was really, really late. My son took the same maturation path. Um, he was on varsity at CBA, a very competitive, good program as a, as a sophomore, but he, he didn't play every day, he played probably about half the games. And he wound up being an All-State uh, second baseman his senior year. So he gets better every year. I was getting better every year. But, you know, by the time he rolled to his senior year, there wasn't a whole lot of uh, – there's, there's, you know, quote unquote, no money left. Everybody's committed all their money in, in their, in their scholarship process. So, but Kevin Layton, to his credit, realized Jack was, you know, turned into a heck of a player and, and got, and got him on as, a, you know, with a roster spot and he's, he's gotten better every year, man. So Pete, uh, after your outstanding Fordham career, you were drafted by the Orioles in the first round in 1987 and rose rather quickly through the uh, farm system. Uh, and made your debut only a year later. So uh, what was that experience like? And um, especially because, you know, it's usually a much slower process, but you kind of just like jumped right through it. So maybe uh, just run us through what that was like. Yeah, you know, it, it, that's a great question, actually. People don't believe this when I talk to them about it, but I was drafted in June of 87 by, by the Orioles, I think 26, top 30, 26 or 27 overall. And um, they were terrible. It was, I don't know you guys how much baseball history, but they had lost 21 straight games the year before. It's a big league record that I don't think – I think it's impossible that anybody ever breaks that record to lose 21 straight games to start the season. And I think they lost like 117 or 120 games. I don't know exactly the number, but it was real bad. Uh, maybe maybe 110. But um, the, the organization was in shambles. They were terrible. So I, I tell people all the time, I was drafted by the Orioles. I hit every level. I started in rookie ball. And a year later – I say a year, basically 13 months later, beginning of September of 88, I was in the big leagues and I played rookie ball. And then I played low A and then I played high A and then I went to double A and then I went to triple A. So 
it's weird to, to, in that short of a time, to hit every level. They used to sign guys early in the draft, put them in double A, and then bring them to the big leagues out of double A in, in a year. But to hit every level was kind of insane. But to the Orioles' credit, if you went to a level and you pitched well, you went to the next level. And if you pitched well there, you went to the next level. You climbed the ladder as fast as you could, you know. And I pitched really well. I had a really, really good minor league career, albeit a, a short one. So um, I tell people all the time, had I been drafted by the Mets at that time, who were also interested in me or whatever, you know, they had Doc Gooden and Ron Darling and Sid Fernandez. And I think Coney was still there, David Cohn. Mm -hmm. So it might have taken me four years to get to the big leagues. I don't even know. But uh, it was a really good situation, you know. I fell into it and I, I worked my butt off and, and got through the system really quick. And kind of going off that, obviously, because you went through so quickly, you went to the big leagues when you're you know, so young, only at 21. Did that take you a longer time, that learning curve between the minors and the big league? Did it take you longer to kind of adjust? I don't think I really ever learned much, <laughs> <laughs> to be honest with you guys. Um, I was a thrower, man. I was a really competitive guy. I get, I'm going to get on the mound. I'm coming at you as hard as I can, fastball, breaking ball. I do. I do a split finger back then too that I learned in college. So um, I was a real aggressive. It wasn't like I mean, obviously you learn tendencies of hitters. The more, the more. Um, but that's it. Doesn't matter if you make it to the big leagues at twenty five or twenty one. You still have to go through that process, you know. But my, uh, it was rough, man. I, I, I was, I was wild. I was nervous. I put a lot of pressure on myself when I was young. Um, I walked way too many people. I used to Frank Robinson, the legendary uh, baseball player, won the Triple Crown, Hall of Famer, passed away uh, like a year ago. Um, he was my first manager in Baltimore, and I used to drive that guy bananas. He would be going walking up and down the dugout, screaming, throwing his hands up every time. I'd go up there and walk the first two guys, weasel my way out of it, get a big strikeout, pop up, whatever it was. I was a master of putting myself in trouble and getting myself out of it, but that was, that was rough on the manager and the coaching staff, which – I didn't realize at the time, but, um, you know, I had a lot of five inning 98 pitch outings, you know, with six walks and six strikeouts. So, um, that was part of my grow, my grow, my maturation process, but, um, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't give it up or, or, or I'm glad it happened. You know? Uh, so, I mean, over your career, uh, you had plenty of accolades, um, from being an all-star to, uh, starting on opening day and, uh, even throwing an immaculate inning. Uh, but what do you think, uh, opinion, is your most dearest accomplishment uh, on the field? That's a tough one, man. Um, I never got to the postseason. I was in one playoff game. We tied the Mets. I was with the Reds, and we tied the Mets, and we had to play an extra game, you know, for a playoff game just to get in. I wasn't able to pitch. I had to pitch the day before. Um, so as far as that goes, I mean, big leagues, the, the immaculate inning is funny because I didn't even know I did it until I got to the dugout. Somebody, walked, My buddy walked out to me, Jimmy Jones, X right-handed pitcher. And he's like, dude, you know, you just struck out the side on nine pitches. I'm like, no, I didn't know that. You know, cause there was some foul balls in there. I'm not counting pitching. I'm just throwing, I'm just pitching. So that was really cool. It's a really cool thing to do. Cause it's pretty rare. It doesn't happen often. It happens now more in baseball because the game is so bad that guys don't care about striking out. But when I pitch guys, you know, they'd strike out, they didn't want to strike out twice. And if they struck out twice, they would do anything they could to put the ball in play. Cause you got a hat trick. It was like embarrassing. Now it's like a badge of honor in the game. It's, it's a joke the way guys strike out and just don't care. Um, so it was a different game. Then. You know, it was, it was tough to strike people out. But um, I still would go back to beating Georgia the first game of the regional my, my junior year of college, you know, number three or number four in the country. Uh, going down there, guys are joking. I was going to get lit up. We're going to get killed, blah, blah, blah. And we were good. We had, a, we had a really good team. I, we had a good team. I seen, I'm sorry, my freshman year, but 
by the time we got to be juniors, we were, we were real good. We, we only missed the college world series by one game. I don't know when the next time that'll ever happen again, you know? So, um, but beating Georgia, throwing a complete game, I think I do 178 pitches that day and it was 95 degrees at Georgia tech. So um, yeah, it was, I'll put that up as my, as my number one pitching accomplishment. Um, and, you know, we just talked about, obviously, you made an all-star game. And in that season, that 1991 season with the Astros, uh, I read that you had a 2.22 ERA at the all-star great break, but only a 5-7 and seven record. And I'm a big Mets fan, so I experienced that, first, experienced yeah. that firsthand with Jacob deGrom. Yeah. And I, I always wonder, like, what's that mentality when you feel like you're dealing and you feel like you're pitching amazing and the wins aren't coming? You know, I feel like some people think it's frustrating. Some people, it's like, you know, you do what you can do and you can't control the other stuff. So I was wondering if, you know, what was your mentality when you're going through that? It's funny. I actually thought my ERA was lower than that. It felt like I, I pitched, honestly, that first half of that season when I made when I made the All-Star team at five and seven. And Lou Pinello was was great to look at my overall stats and take me on the team. He didn't have to do that, you know. Uh, so I owe a lot to him for that because that was a great experience. But um, funny story, I ran into a, a reporter at the All-Star game. They, they called a locker to locker and they're asking questions. And the, it, was a, it was a woman, and she said to me, she said, do you know that you've pitched six games in the first half of the season that the final score was one to nothing? And I'm like, no. She says, yeah, you're two, two, and two, which means I won two one-nothing shutouts. I lost two one-nothing games. And there was two games that I got a no decision that finest one. But if you think about the, think about the, think about the chances of a team playing six one-to-nothing, final score of the game is one-to-nothing in a major league season, right? let alone it being a half a season, let alone it being the same pitcher that started all those games. Like I was always in a one, you know, it was a tough place to hit, which helped me, but it also hurt our run production. We were a young team. We had Jeff Bagwell, Luis Gonzalez, Craig Biggio, Ken Caminiti, bunch of young, really good players, Scott Service um, in Houston then, but everybody was coming into their own. They were all getting into the big leagues in their first, second year in the big leagues. So learning on the job, our offense was not great. Um, but I was constantly in the fifth inning and it was nothing, nothing, one, 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 one through six, you know, one, nothing through seven. I was in those games all the time. So it really helped me um, from a competitive standpoint, to, you know, to mold me and, and, and make me really dig in and know that every pitch I was kind of fighting. The game was kind of, it was a every pitch game. I mean, they say in the major leagues, you have to realize in the major leagues, every single game is pretty much decided by, I don't know, probably five to seven pitches. You know, you don't know when they are or what inning they're coming or whatever they are. But, you know, it could be second inning, bases loaded of a nothing, nothing game. And a guy hangs a breaking ball. The guy hits it off the wall. It's three, nothing. The game's over. That's, you know, the, the game's decided on, you know, six to eight pitches. So basically I was kind of in that mode all the time. You know, my games were going to be decided on just about every time I threw the ball. So, it, you know, like I said, from a competitive aspect, I think it really helped me. Uh, I so I actually really want to get your take on this because uh, the, you know there's been a big debate this season um, and a lot of people who are having this debate are people outside of the actual league um, over whether the player or the pitcher uh, hitter dynamic uh, is swaying a little bit too far in the direction of the pitchers uh, with you know Detroit's Spencer Turnbull through a the fifth no hitter last <laughs> night uh, <laughs> And there's been six, if you include Mad Bums. Um, do you think that uh, – well, what's your general take on that dynamic? Uh, and do you think that there needs to be some sort of rule change, or would you be at all in favor of that, like maybe moving back the mound? Uh, what's your yeah. thought? Well, first, l let me explain something. 
Um, it's a great, great question. My, my take on the game right now, and this has nothing to do, what I'm about to say has nothing to do with the athletes. The guys that play the game are bigger, stronger, faster than we ever were. It's natural. You know, we agreed that we were great athletes and we had great athletes in the big leagues when I played. There's no question. Um, and, and there was some of the best. Barry Bonds is the best player I've ever seen. And I still think he is. And Mike Trout may turn that may, may turn my mind on that. But right now it's, it's Barry Bonds forever. So we, we've had we had phenomenal athletes, technology, training, knowledge. You know, you, you can't you can't substitute for that. The athletes that play baseball right now are generally bigger, stronger, faster than we were. There's no question. The game itself is being played at the lowest level it's ever been played. You have basic, I can't watch it anymore. And, and you mentioned Jacob DeGrom or Jacob DeGrom. I'll sit and watch Jacob DeGrom pitch. And that's about the only baseball I watch. I worked for the Mariners for the last six years. They've been no hit twice in the last two weeks. And, and another game, like a week or so, maybe eight, nine days ago, they got their first hit with one out in the eighth inning. They almost, they've almost been no hit three times in the last two weeks. It's, they're hitting 199 as a team. Major league average right now is probably, if I had to guess, and I could probably come within five points, major league average batting average is down to probably 230, 232, something like that. That's disgusting. When, when, I, play, when I played, it was 275. If you were a 275 hitter, you were an average player. If you're a 275 hitter now, you may win a batting title for Christ's sake. The game is being played. You have a bunch of guys in the box that are literally just trying to launch the ball in the air, hit it as far as they can every swing. You have guys on the mound that don't care where the ball goes. They're trying to throw it as fast as they can and spin it as fast as they can when they throw the breaking ball. That's it. It's home run derby. If you look at the game, it's it's so pathetic to me that you can put three out three infielders on on the right side of the on the left side of the infield with a right-handed hitter, and that right-handed hitter is hitting 225. It's like disgusting. You know what I mean? And it's it's, there's a whole bunch of reasons for it. The main product is the owners have put so much onus on paying guys who hit home runs. I tell people all the time, you hit 30 home runs. It's one home run a week. It's a, it's a 26, 27, 28 week season. It's, 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 it's one home run a week. And how many of those actually mean something? You know, if you hit a home run when it's seven to one in the ninth, then no one cares about that. It doesn't matter. So you're talking about, um, the, the onus has just been put on the home run and they pay the guys with the home runs. They pay the strikeouts. You couldn't strike out. Literally, when I played, it would be impossible to strike out as many people as they're striking out now. It's impo it would have been impossible because guys didn't want to do it. If I, tell you, if I tell you to get better at something, you know, this is what you need to do for your career to get better at it, you're going to, you, you know, if you have any credence in what I'm saying, you're going to take it and you're going to get better at it. Just, just for the sheer, just for the sheer, um, uh, uh, how do I want to say this impetus or, or, or focus you're going to put on that particular task. You're going to get better at it. So if you told these guys tomorrow, Hey, we're not paying the home runs anymore. We're paying on base percentage and batting average. You see batting average go straight up. It's, it's just ridiculous to change the rules. I think to answer the second half of your question, I don't know if you have to change the rules. I don't love the shift. I thought it was bull at when I first was dealing with it. Cause I, I worked until this year, I worked the last 11 years in professional baseball as a special assistant with the angels and the Mariners. So I've been a lot of minor league stuff. I've done a lot of big league stuff over the last 10, 11 years. Um, I know you need to change the rules, but you could change the shift. If you could learn how to, you know, with two strikes hit a four hopper the other way, they wouldn't be able to shift on you anymore. So it's really just stupidity amongst hitters is why the game is being played at such a low level.
an MLB all-star, Fordham baseball great, Pete Harnish. Thank you for joining us and giving us some of your insights, Pete. Yeah, no problem. Well, uh, nice to see you guys. Good luck. Sure. We'll, we'll be right back on one-on-one, New York's longest-running sports call-in show.